This program is presented by Birch Gold Group, the precious metal IRA specialists. Good morning. Today's headlines, tornadoes in Alabama and other southern states leave a trail of destruction. Some terrifying footage of the storms that left at least seven people dead. A new declassified government report on UFOs came out yesterday. While officials say there's no evidence of aliens, they may pose a threat. The FDA vaccine advisor calls into question the practice of giving young healthy people new COVID-19 boosters. And an appeals court upholds a vaccine mandate ban. House Democrats and Republicans are in agreement. U.S. reserve oil should not be going to entities owned by the Chinese Communist Party. We have more on the House vote. The story of a former athlete that overcame injury, loss and addiction. Find out his remarkable story of courage and faith against all odds. Good morning. Welcome to NTD. I'm Kevin Hogan. Good morning. I'm Evelyn Lee. Today is Friday, January the 13th and a huge storm system tore across the southern U.S. yesterday. At least one person was killed in Georgia, and six are confirmed dead in Alabama. Tornadoes ripped through parts of the state. It's estimated around 50 homes were damaged or destroyed. Damage assessments are still coming in. Tens of thousands of people lost power because of severe winds. Some dramatic footage was sent in of both the tornado and the destruction it's left behind. And today's Jeremy Sandberg reports. The National Weather Service confirmed a large and extremely dangerous tornado tore through Selma, Alabama and surrounding areas Thursday afternoon. It left behind a trail of destruction. Homes and businesses torn apart. Governor Kay Ivey says at least two dozen tornadoes spawned across the state. Oh my gosh, look at that. Ferocious winds ripped off roofs, damaged power lines, severed tree limbs, and littered the streets with debris. A state of emergency was declared for six of the hardest hit counties. And I just want to remind folks that Selma is just one of the communities that was hit by this storm. There have been outlying communities and communities all across the state and probably the southeast that has been hit today. I just want to let everybody know that we care about each and every community. Georgia, Kentucky, and Mississippi were also affected. The Storm Prediction Center says at least 34 tornado reports were recorded as of Thursday evening. Oh my God, y'all, we blessed. Oh my God. Oh, have mercy, y'all look. Oh Lord, I ain't never been so scared in my life, but I was praying. Lord, protect us, protect us in this little area. Close to 140,000 customers in Alabama, Georgia, Tennessee, and the Carolinas had power knocked out. The storm caused dozens of injuries and at least seven confirmed deaths. One of those in Georgia, where a five-year-old child was killed when a tree fell on top of a car. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News. In California, Monterey Peninsula residents could soon be living on an island as the level of the Salinas River continues to rise. 
Drone video shows the Salinas River flooding nearby roads on Thursday. In Monterey County, along the state's central coast, communities near the still-rising Salinas River were under an evacuation order. Sheriff Nieto said they expect flooding to overtake the Salinas River and spread across the peninsula like in 1995. She stressed the peninsula could become an island. At least two more storm systems were set to pound California and the Pacific Northwest starting today. State and local officials are preparing for continued flood stage through 9 p.m. Sunday, January 15th. The state has already been hit with seven such weather systems over the past two weeks. So far, 19 people have been killed in the storms. The Director of National Intelligence released a declassified report on UFOs yesterday. It lists 510 reports of unidentified aerial phenomena, or UAPs. The majorities were deemed to be things like drones, balloons, and airborne clutter like birds or trash, but many remain unexplained. The government says while there is no evidence of aliens, the objects are still a cause for concern. Over 170 of the UAPs exhibited what the report called unusual flight characteristics or performance capabilities. Many were operating in sensitive military airspace. The Pentagon set up an office to streamline the reporting and analyzing process last year. Here's what the Pentagon press secretary had to say about it yesterday. I think one of the key points in this report, you know, given, given the potential uh, hazard that UAPs do present, notably there's been no reported collisions of of uh, military aircraft or U.S. aircraft, rather, uh, and UAP establishing those reporting procedures, what it does, and I think you'll see this in the report, is it allows the collection of data and more data allows us to be a little bit more rigorous in terms of how we go after investigating these incidents. Now, the classified version of the report includes how many of the objects were found near nuclear power plants or places where nuclear weapons are stored. Pentagon officials say any partial findings are because of a lack of sensor data collection and not evidence of advanced technology or a government cover-up. Lisa Marie Presley, daughter of rock and roll legend Elvis Presley, died at the age of 54 after suffering a cardiac arrest at home. She was rushed to a Los Angeles area hospital on Thursday. Presley was last seen on the red carpet at the Golden Globe Awards just days ago, praising actor Austin Butler's portrayal of her father in the biopic Elvis. He just did such a beautiful job and his heart was so in it and he, it meant so much to him and it was such an honor for me and I respected so much what he did. So it was a mutual love and respect that truly like, was, really came at a really nice time. Her mother, Priscilla Presley, in a statement urged for privacy as the family tried to deal with this profound loss. Lisa Presley was born in 1968 and was the owner of her father's Graceland estate in Memphis, a popular tourist attraction. She was nine years old when Elvis died at Graceland in 1977. A rock and pop singer-songwriter herself, Lisa's albums To Whom It May Concern and Now What both hit top 10 of the Billboard 200 in 2003 and 2005. She was married four times to pop star Michael Jackson, musician Danny Keough, actor Nicolas Cage, and musician-producer Michael Lockwood, and is survived by three children. Her only son, Benjamin Keough, died in 2020, aged 27. A vaccine advisor to the Food and Drug Administration is questioning whether young, healthy people should get new COVID-19 boosters. He argues those shots should be used for older individuals. And today's Daniel Monaghan has more on the specialist's recommendation. 
Define who needs it. Prove who needs it. Dr. Paul A. Offit is an FDA vaccine panel advisor and professor of pediatrics at the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. He wrote in the New England Journal of Medicine that, quote, I believe we should stop trying to prevent all symptomatic infections in healthy young people by boosting them with vaccines containing mRNA from strains that might disappear a few months later. Don't do this. Don't chase variants. Offit cited two studies suggesting that bivalent boosters which target the original COVID-19 strain and two Omicron subvariants do not elicit superior immune responses. Sometimes uh, those who are representing public health will, will make claims about the bivalence vaccine that just aren't true. Offit says those studies suggest that boosting with a bivalent vaccine is likely to have a similar effect as boosting with a monovalent vaccine. However, he stressed that booster dosing is probably best reserved for the people most likely to need protection against severe disease. FDA spokesperson Abigail Capobianco says, quote, Dr. Offit is entitled to his opinion about the effectiveness of the COVID-19 bivalent vaccines used as boosters. However, she says evidence continues to support the use of the vaccines in all age groups. Meanwhile, Dr. Marty McCary from Johns Hopkins told Fox News about some disturbing numbers from a recent study. In 17 million Medicare beneficiaries, and it found that a 40% increase in myocardial infarction was observed and a 50% increase in pulmonary embolism or blood clot to the lung. In related news, a federal appeals court has upheld a ban on compelling workers in Kentucky, Ohio, and Tennessee who work with the federal government to get a COVID-19 vaccine. A federal judge in Kentucky blocked the Biden vaccine mandate in November 2021 for Kentucky, Tennessee, and Ohio. Daniel Monahan, NTD News. A U.S. citizen who crossed into Russian territory last year has been released from Russian custody. Taylor Dudley was released following negotiations by former New Mexico Governor Bill Richardson and his organization, the Richardson Center for Global Engagement. Dudley was backpacking in Europe when he crossed the Polish-Russian border last April. His release comes amid ongoing fractured relations between Moscow and Washington. Dudley's circumstances while in Russia were unclear. His case received no previous media attention. The former Marine's release comes just one month after WNBA star Brittany Griner was returned to Washington in a controversial exchange for international arms dealer Victor Boot. Another former Marine, Paul Whelan, still remains in Russian custody. Countering the Chinese Communist Party. Now that's one area of agreement between most Republicans and Democrats. On Thursday, the House banned oil reserve exports from being sent to any entity owned or controlled by the CCP. Entities Melina Weiskopf reports. America's emergency oil stockpile sits at its lowest level since the 1980s. In a bid to lower gas prices, President Biden launched a plan to release 180 million barrels, some of them sold to Unipec, a company under the authority of the Chinese Communist Party-owned Sinopec. China now controls the world's largest government-controlled stockpile of oil with almost a billion barrels at the expense of American taxpayers and our energy security. Aimed at prohibiting the Department of Energy from doing this in the future, the U.S. House of Representatives passed a bill on a vote of 331 to 97. All Republicans and most Democrats supported it. Those who opposed it argued that the GOP bears responsibility for exports to China. You know, America should not be exporting our crude oil exports to an adversary. 
And that was our national policy uh, for 40 years until a Republican-controlled Congress authorized sending American crude oil abroad in 2015. Opposing Democrats called for a broader bill that would ban emergency oil sales to China, North Korea, Iran, and other U.S.-sanctioned countries. Now this bill is headed over to the Senate where its fate is unclear, but I wouldn't rule out the possibility of it passing the Senate during this Congress. That's because of the bipartisan nature of this type of bill, although Senate Leader Chuck Schumer would need to see this as a priority to bring it to the floor for a vote. Now going back to the House's actions on China so far. So this week they've taken two actions with regards to China. Uh, the, uh, earlier this week they created that bipartisan select committee on China where they'll be looking at the United States strategic response to the Chinese regime. We asked Speaker McCarthy what other actions or priori priorities they have with regards to how to handle China or its influence here in the U.S. Here's what he told me. Because many times we don't speak with one voice from America. What I am trying to accomplish is get members on both sides of the aisle from all different perspectives, not just from a militarily, from financial, from agriculture and others, to bring those jobs back to America, to make sure China's not with inside America buying our farmland and others. And Speaker McCarthy did add that he has been in discussion with the Democrat leader Hakeem Jeffries on this issue. So it's clear China will be one of very few areas that will see some bipartisan cooperation over the next two years. Reporting in Washington, D.C., Melina Weiskup, NTD News. Just ahead, a Virginia school district takes new measures to prevent guns from entering its schools. It follows the tragic shooting of a teacher by a six-year-old boy last week. And Tesla has dropped its electric vehicles prices in Europe and the U.S. The cuts apply to various models across its range. Get the details right here on NTD Good Morning. Welcome back. The governors of Wisconsin and North Carolina on Thursday signed orders banning TikTok on government devices. This because of cybersecurity concerns. That makes at least 24 states and the federal government that have prohibited the use of the video app owned by Chinese tech conglomerate ByteDance. Wisconsin Governor Tony Evers extended the ban to vendors, products, and services from other Chinese companies as well. Those include Huawei Technologies, Hikvision, and Tencent Holdings. North Carolina Governor Roy Cooper signed an order directing officials to develop a policy within 14 days. The policy is to prohibit the use of TikTok, WeChat and potentially other applications. And now over to Europe. The French Data Protection Authority has fined TikTok nearly $5.5 million for privacy violations. It says TikTok users could not refuse cookies as easily as they could accept them. They were also not adequately informed about the purpose of the different cookies. It's a sensitive time in Europe for the video app company. Several European commissioners warned TikTok to respect EU laws and work on regaining the trust of European regulators this week. The Newport News School Board announced Thursday that 90 walk-through metal detectors would be placed in schools across the district. It follows a shooting at Richneck Elementary School where teacher Abigail Zwerner was shot by a six-year-old boy on January 6th. Richneck Elementary will be the first school to implement the new measures. Metal detectors are going to start at Richneck so that we can get those students in the building. And then the 90 
state-of-the-art metal detectors are going in each and every school in our district. Um, since the heritage incident, we've had no discovery of firearms in any of our schools. However, when one shows up, we have to make a, a change. And so there will be metal detectors. Last week's shooting shocked the nation. It has left many teachers and experts wondering how to prevent, prevent shootings in schools. Yes, and considering the boy was only six, the issue now applies to an even younger age group. With Rich Neck Elementary being the first, other schools will also start implementing the new measures. DirecTV is reportedly cutting hundreds of jobs. The cuts come as the company is looking to reduce costs amid a flurry of canceled subscriptions for their pay TV service. The layoffs will affect around 10% of the company's workforce at the upper levels in managerial positions. Around half of DirecTV's staff of nearly 10,000 is at the manager level. Pressure had been mounting for the company as many customers had been opting for streaming services. Subscriptions have reportedly seen a noticeable decline in the third quarter. The layoffs are effective beginning January 20th. Tesla is cutting prices in the U.S. and Europe. It's an effort to drive up demand of the electric vehicles. The company announced the news for the U.S. yesterday. It will apply to the Model 3 sedan and Model Y crossover SUV, as well as its Model X luxury crossover SUV and Model S sedan. The new prices are between 6% and 20% lower compared to before the discount. The price cuts also took effect in Germany, Austria, Switzerland and France. Those cuts range between 1% and 17% depending on configuration. California's famous In-N-Out Burger is moving further east. The expansion in Tennessee will be the company's third corporate hub and the first outside of the Golden State. In-N-Out announced on Tuesday its plans to open a corporate hub in Franklin, Tennessee. Lindsay Snyder, In-N-Out owner and president, said, We are very excited to provide Tennesseans with our quality burgers, fries and shakes. This expansion is significant for our company. Tennessee Governor Bill Lee welcomed In-N-Out in a video posted to Twitter. In-N-Out Burger is a great family business that's been operating for decades in this country with a value system and a way of serving their customers that lines up just right here in Tennessee. And it means a lot of opportunity and a lot of jobs for a lot of Tennesseans. We are excited about the opportunity that In-N-Out's going to bring to Tennessee. Plus, we're going to get to have double-double fries and shakes right here in the great state of Tennessee. Welcome In-N-Out Burger. You're going to love it here. Restaurant locations will open in the Nashville area as early as 2026. These will be the company's easternmost locations. Snyder added, Our customers are our most important asset at In-N-Out, and we very much look forward to serving them in the years to come and becoming part of the wonderful communities in the volunteer state. Snyder also shared that the company has received many requests over the years to open locations on the East Coast, all the way to Florida. In-N-Out currently has 385 locations across California, Nevada, Arizona, Utah, Oregon, Colorado, and Texas. From burgers to paying the man, the official start date of the 2023 tax filing season is January 23rd. The IRS recently added 5,000 new customer service representatives. They say taxpayers should expect a smoother filing season this year. 
Meanwhile, the House Republican majority has promised to take back the nearly $71 billion Congress provided the IRS in funding, though the bill they approved Monday is unlikely to advance in the Democratic-run Senate. And next up, a story of courage and faith against all odds. We talked to a retired running legend to find out how he overcame his addiction to prescription painkillers and his son's suicide. And now we have a story of courage and faith against all odds. We talked to a former athlete that was addicted to prescription painkillers after a series of injuries. Find out how he overcame his demons and how he deals with the loss of his son. Here comes Beardsley. He's got to make a move on Marathon record holder Dick Beardsley has had more than a fair share of trials and tribulations. After winning several races at the height of his running career, his winning streak came to an abrupt end after a freak accident. He was working on his farm one morning when he got caught up in the rotating mechanism of some equipment. I don't remember how I got unwrapped out of it, but I was standing next to my tractor with virtually no clothes on, and it was like God had reached out there and, and you know, kept me from dying. The accident mangled his body, broken arm, leg, and ribs. He was also speared in the chest by a piece of metal. Beardsley was given prescription drugs to manage his pain. It turned out the runner's toughest marathon was to come, when his addiction problems sent him spiralling to rock bottom. He was taking up to 90 pills of pharmaceutical opioids a day. After getting arrested for forging prescriptions, he entered a detox and rehab program. Beardsley says the withdrawal process was agonising. And I remember looking up and saying, God, either please just take me right now or please help get me better. And that night I slept for the first time in over a week. He says faith had everything to do with his recovery. Without question, it was my faith that definitely helped me through all the trials and tribulations that, you know, we all go through them and maybe some more than others, but without my faith, I, I don't know where I would be, that's for sure. Beardsley is now a motivational speaker helping others. If I'm speaking at a organization or to a group and one person it makes a difference in their life, then mission accomplished. Despite all that he's been through, he says the painful recovery from injury and addiction was a walk in the park, compared to losing his son Andy to suicide. Well, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for my faith and, and knowing that, and what gives me comfort about my son Andy's death, it's been seven years now, is knowing that eventually I'll be able to hold him in my arms and give him a big hug again. And that brings me great joy and leaves me with peace. Beardsley says every time he's thought about throwing in the towel, he remembers how short life ultimately is. He encourages others to never give up hope. Tomorrow's a brand new day and tomorrow's going to be get, going to be better. And, you know, you just keep telling yourself that and, and it will get better. It might not be easy. It might take longer than you'd hope, but it will get better. Beardsley has been drug-free since 1997. The 67-year-old claims he has never once considered using drugs to numb the pain of his son's passing. He still runs six miles every morning, is a fishing guide for his own company, and runs a bed and breakfast with his wife, Jill, who he calls his rock to lean on. Flinders Kingsley, NTD News.
A nine-year-old girl was fossil hunting with her family in Maryland when she made an impressive find, a massive prehistoric shark tooth. Molly Sampson discovered the megalodon tooth in the water at Culvert Cliff State Park. The 15-million-year-old tooth is five inches long, the size of Molly's hand. Experts say it likely belonged to a shark nearly 50 feet long, almost the size of a semi-truck trailer. Molly has been looking for a meg tooth like this for a while. She wants to be a paleontologist and knows all about megalodon sharks, which became extinct millions of years ago. Now, Molly says she will add the priceless find to her collection of more than 400 shark teeth. Priceless find indeed. What amazing thing to find. Oh, I know. Yeah, and it seems like she's really passionate about it. Oh, and Evelyn, did you know a megalodon bite could crush a car? I mean, that's powerful. It's not a surprise. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's so interesting learning about the forces of nature. Absolutely. On that note, that's it for today, for this week, in fact. Write us at goodmorning at ntd.com. Thanks for watching and have a great weekend. I'm Evelyn Lee. And I'm Kevin Hogan.